Hello, everybody, and welcome to June. We are recording on the morning of Monday, June the 5th, where the Phillies are coming off a weekend series win over the Washington Nationals. Always good to, uh, as Scott Lauber says, apply a little deodorant playing the Nationals. Covers over a lot of the stink of the past week. Where the Phillies find themselves still eight games out of first place in the National League East. I feel like every time we're recording, they're seven or eight games out. They're 27 and 32. It's been this way for like a month and a half. Uh, They're 27 and 32, which is not great. But then again, neither is the rest of the National League. Let's bring in the one, the only, the Athletics Phillies beat reporter, Mr. Matt Gill. Matt, how was your weekend? I was good. I was not in D.C. I, I did the first two legs of the trip, Atlanta, New York, and I took some time at home this past weekend, and I missed uh, the Drew Ellis game. Oh, now, none of us saw that coming, so I think I think you're in a shared boat with a lot of people there. Drew Ellis, who, as as has been covered now, was unemployed at home at Indiana a couple of months ago, sent to AA Reading to start his Phillies tenure, now just arrives and is... God, I guess, sure for a day. Anyway, I remember I mean, there was a <laughs> there was a series a couple of years ago where the Phillies were playing Arizona. It was in Arizona, and Ellis like had just gotten called up, or he was you know two weeks or something into his career, and he was hitting like one thirty or whatever. And I highlighted him. I'm just like, I know this guy's going to do something annoying. I don't think he ever ended up doing anything big, but it's just funny to see this come full circle two years later. Yeah, I mean, he his I wrote a little bit about it today in the Athletic. I mean, his agent. Um, was literally reaching out to teams. I mean, looking to try to get him a job, any job. And he contacted the Phillies and the Phillies, you know, it's not like um, sometimes you're, you're lucky. I mean, it's not, you know, yeah. they, they done, they did a little work on him. Like they, you know, after the agent contacted him and uh, you know, they liked him. They had a couple injuries at double a in the infield, a couple guys who got hurt for the season and sent him to double a. And that was the intention was to sign him as organizational filler see what happened and uh yeah there you go but uh he has two home runs now paul in his phillies career uh-huh. and uh i wanted to highlight some players that he is now tied in phillies franchise history with those two home runs okay some, let's hear it. some really quality ones here did you know that abraham nunez only hit two home runs with the phillies i did not but i do now what's well, so abraham okay, so we'll just keep going down the list yes yeah. that's right ricky otero you know, a great nineties Philly. Uh-huh. Eric Bruntlett had two home runs in his career with the Phillies. But we he only Hot. hit two? He only hit two. Oh my yeah. god. Same with Ty Kelly and Howie Kendrick. Tiebreaker Kelly. Cliff Lee had two home runs with the Phillies. Oh, what a beaut. The Howie Kendrick thing is amazing because he he hit so well. Yeah, only two home runs. Jose Bautista, Roger Bernadina, Ryan <laughs> Bogusevich. Uh, Tyler Houston, famous for, you know, getting released because, uh, he upset Larry Boa one year, 2003, <laughs> uh, Logan Morrison, remember Logan Morrison? Oh, like, uh, Lomo like, Phillies. Uh, Lomo Phillies, right. Yeah. Cody Ransom, uh, oh my God. and, uh, you know, a true rebuild hero who only had two home runs in his time with the Phillies, 28 games, Hector Luna. 
Oh, Hector. What a gem. I The Logan Martin thing is funny to me because if you are blessed enough to not have been on Twitter in the early 2010s, <laughs> it, it's a phenomenon that would escape you. Just how locked on to Logan Morrison a subset of Phillies fans were in the early days of like Phillies Twitter and picking up on this stuff. He he was an outspoken personality like in the early. He was one of the the big first yeah. you know, faces of baseball on the platform, and people were just like they were all over. He he was funny. He was engaging. I I thought it was partially charming. But so many Phillies fans, despite him playing for the Marlins, were just were just Loved glommed on to the guy as yeah. like yeah, come to the Phillies. And then eventually he does. They finally got him. <laughs> yeah, right. They get <laughs> two home runs. Uh, Lomo, so that's what Lomo Phillies is all about. Uh, because his oh, I missed one. Mike Lomo Sweeney. Marlins. Mike Sweeney. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, man. Talk about it. I mean, talk about another guy Phillies fans loved. Like, that was phew, instant fan favorite, even though he was only around for a hot minute. It's a good list. Matt it's a great list. on here, too. That That's that's less of an exciting one. That's great. So Drew Ellis, yeah, Drew Ellis who has, you know, multiple home runs, has walked four times and struck out once. I, I think we're just we're witnessing the birth of greatness. The the next the, the <laughs> hey, next I mean, big I, thing. I wrote about I mean like it's a very this is this Paul you characterize this as a very unphillies like thing to happen for them. Right? Yes. Like totally stumbling into a guy who ends up helping them win a game. Yes. Yes. Uh, he, he, car- he carried them. Yeah. I mean, he, he and Castellanos both, but like he, he absolutely well in Shorber yesterday, he is somebody you hope can have just a really out of nowhere, hot two weeks. And, and then that's how you remember him. Right. Because you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't say Jarrell's is going to be blocking somebody like Derek Hall when Derek Hall is ready to come back or something like that. Like you, you don't really expect that. Um, so now's the time to build up that cult hero portfolio. Just, do, just keep doing what you're doing, man. That you I have mean, absolutely he, no pressure. Yeah, you know he's not going to block bone, but I mean, like, you know, if Drew Ellis has like a good week or two weeks here, I don't know, like they could keep him over Josh Harrison. I mean, I don't think that that's like an a crazy thing to suggest. Well, and and this will this will parlay nicely into what we're going to talk about a little bit later. But there, I think there's some concern over the way Josh Harrison is playing. And when you have it, when you have a guy on a guaranteed deal, you have a little bit more leash before you start thinking about cutting bait. Absolutely, like this isn't a, you know, minor league call up with options that you can send out and try somebody else. You know, after three weeks, like you're paying the guy two million bucks, you expect him to do a little bit more as a major league veteran um, to you know, produce a little bit more in a part-time role. And he hasn't really been doing that. I know that can be hard, but we're getting to the point where that's probably something that needs start to start being thought it. about. Yeah. June. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is, this is when you start thinking about those kind of yep. things. So, so yeah. the, the segue that I mentioned, uh, and this was an idea, Matt, that you came up with that I love uh, is we need to take a look at the litany of concerns that currently befall our 2023 Phillies who, again, in case you didn't catch it, Sit at 27 and 32. They managed to avoid falling solely into last place by virtue of their series win in the final two games over the Nationals. It was close. They flirted with disaster, but they never quite occupied the basement all on their own. Um, There are things going on with this team that aren't great. If you've been listening to us for the last couple of months at this point, you're probably well aware of them. But what we need to do, what you and I need to do, Matt, is we need to sort this out. We need to put a little bit of structure around this. It's a little bit 
formless and shapeless out there right now. You just kind of reach up into the cloud and pluck down your favorite worry uh, and roll with that on a given day. But no, we're not we're not going to do that. We're not just going to go aimlessly stream of consciousness today. We'll save that for next week. We'll get right back to our normal programming then. No, today, what you and I are going to do is we're going to hold a four-round concern draft. We are going to work through and itemize and categorize and prioritize what our top worries are for this team. That's what we're going to do. We're going to work through it, baby. Do we think four rounds are enough to list all the concerns? (laughs) Not not for every single one, no. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be like at least one that I'm going to forget, like an obvious one. But it it'll give us eight. <laughs> and if we need to go too far past eight, then uh, we should feel lucky that the team is 27 and 32 uh, instead of the other way around. So to kick us off, you so graciously offered to let me start and, and give me the burden <laughs> of the first overall pick. Um and boy, you know, the, the the glory of something like this, and we did not plan this beforehand. We do not have a list of things. We we have not come up no with list. We, we don't we don't know what the other is picking. I don't even know what I'm picking. I'm vamping right now. Uh, the, the, the glorious thing about doing something like this and looking at a flawed team, an underperforming team, a team that's not meeting its expectations, is that you have a lot of good candidates for uh, the top pick in this draft. You can think of it as the 2016 MLB draft where anybody could go number one and maybe I get the guy whose hit tool pans out, but then you look back on it a couple years down the line and you're just like, no, all of that was bad. So for <laughs> to kick this one off, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us off with the rotation, just broadly, not one particular player, I'm not going to narrow it down. I'm not just going to say Aaron Nola. I'm not just going to say Taiwan Walker um, because I think there are a couple of players who kind of share this load. The starting pitching situation across baseball, uh, you, you've warned us about this. You've been ringing the alarm bells really as early as April. Um, it is about to get interesting. You know, th- there's a line in your story on The Athletic today that says the Phillies do not believe they have five major league quality starting pitchers right now. <laughs> and it's hard to blame them for thinking that they barely have four <laughs> as it stands today, uh, given what you think about Taiwan Walker uh, on every start. Uh, Walker concerns me greatly, not so much about, you know, the money, because, again, it's not my money. I don't really care. But they signed him for four years to be a guy who could eat innings and, and hopefully stave off this kind of problem. And he's not doing that. He's averaging less than five innings a start. And they've been bad innings. Like that's that that's not good. Nola in a walk year is doing weird things. We, we've talked about him before. He just he looks strange. Uh, Ranger was really bad, and then has put together a couple of good starts lately, which is nice and help putting some fears to bed. But he he looked not great to start the year. Bailey Falter is you know well we've seen Bailey Falter. Matt Strom is not a starting pitcher, although he's been very good for his two or three inning bursts. And what do you do? What do you do? You look ahead to the trade deadline. Everybody's going to want starting pitching. Uh, you think about Andrew Painter. How's he going to recover? You know, he still hasn't progressed to facing live hitting yet, I don't think. Uh, so he's still a while away. If you think about internal candidates, Mick Abel's walking a lot of guys. He's still far away. Griff McGarry has had some command issues. He's, you know, on the back burner for now. Um, it doesn't look great. And the fact that they need to keep riding with a bullpen game every five days, 
that's concerning because we talked about this last week. The fifth starter becomes less important once you're in the playoffs, but you need one to make the playoffs. So I would pick the rotation as my top concern with the first overall pick. It's pretty good. It's broad. I think uh, I'll be even more specific with my first pick for the concern draft. And it's Tylon Walker. Okay. There are reasons, as you've outlined, to be concerned about you know, just about every pitcher the Phillies are starting right now. But um, I look at Walker and, and I see things that are really alarming. You know, I see these velocity drops every few starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see just really a lack of command almost at all times. And, and, and if you want to go look at his game logs, I mean, you could argue that he has failed to put together two, you know, above average or if you want to label it a quality start in a row. I mean, he has mm-hmm. yet to do that. And the walks, the home runs, falling behind hitters, like all of it to me is extremely concerning. Mm-hmm. And for the reasons that you outlined, Paul, I mean, like if they were to suffer an injury right now to one of their four starters, since they only have four starters, I, I mean, I, I would, I don't want to like overstate it, but I mean, it would be quite devastating it would be quite devastating right now if they suffered an injury to one of their four starters because i i don't know what they would do and this whole thing i do think this bullpen game thing can work if they are getting innings from their four starters and i know that's a big if Um, and the bullpen game thing every fifth day is not a permanent solution i do think that it's something they could get by with a few weeks here uh, maybe to the all-star break which i think is what they're looking at um, but Walker for all these little underlying red flags, I think, uh, is, is my biggest concern right now, uh, because they need him to be an innings eater in the middle of the rotation. Their ask the ask is not big. They're asking him to be a league average starter who gives them innings and yeah. league average, as you noted, is, um, you know, the, that bar is, is lower than ever. And you're asking, it's gotta be like a four, six, four or five ERA kind of guy. It gives you five and a half, six innings, whatever, you know, his every, every five days. And Mm -hmm. he, he hasn't been close to that. And I think that's a huge problem. Well, yeah. I mean, just to add a little color to that, you look at Zach Wheeler's line on the season, his, his ERA, he probably deserves a little better. He's pitched a bit better than this, especially lately. Deserves a lot better. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 4.33 ERA, 99 ERA plus right about league average 4.33. That's over four and a quarter for league average. That's all you need. That's all you want. Um, do we want to go serpentine? Do you want to take the, the uh, first pick in the second round as well? Or do we want to go more traditional? Do you have another uh, one lined up? I can, uh, yeah, go for it. That's fair. Since you offered to let me go first, you can take two in a row. You can do the sandwich. All right. Well then my, my second pick is just, uh, it is very broadly like team defense. <laughs> like, mm. and, and I noted this in my story today is like, they, they just, they don't convert batted balls into outs frequently enough. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's easy to point to one guy as the most glaring weakness in all of this. And that's Kyle Schwarber. And I, I think it's quite obvious that that Schwarber, uh, you know, really doesn't belong in left field anymore. Like it, it, it's hard to say that, but I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. Like he, he's having a lot of problems out there and, the thing about this concern, it's high right now, but the Phillies do have a plan in place to like lessen this concern. I mean, Bryce Harper is going to get to first base, I think, sometime early July, 
maybe it's before then. I, I this is something that they're not going to rush. Like, yeah, I, I know it would really help them right now if Bryce Harper could play first base. Kyle Schwarber could be the full time DH. They could figure out left field. At the very least, they could get a defensive upgrade in left field, which would help them probably quite a bit. Um, but the risk is that Bryce Harper, once he starts throwing a little more intensely, injures that reconstructed elbow, and then now you've lost him as a hitter. And, I mean, that is the last thing you want. And the elbow is more at risk throwing than it is swinging, and that's why they were willing to rush the swinging part of this. And, you know, obviously the results speak for themselves. They've been pretty good. Uh, yeah. He hasn't hit well with runners in scoring position, but uh, just about nobody has in the team. So, um they have a plan in place here, right? I mean, sometime in July, they're going to get Schwarber more DH time, if not all of the DH time. Um, but it, it extends beyond Schwarber, right, Paul? I mean, like, Brandon yes. Marsh is a good center fielder. I, I do believe that, man, he makes a lot of mistakes. And, like, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's throwing to the wrong base. It's misjudging reads. It's just things that you're like, ah, man, like, could just be a little better there. Like you're expecting to be better. And and I expected them to be better because they're better up the middle this year than they were last year. Like unquestionably mm-hmm. I mean, think about last year. They started the season with um, Segura at second and Didi at short and Oduble in center. Um, like they're better. They're better now. And, and um, but still Marsh has made some mistakes that you really kind of scratch your head about. And, you know, Trey Turner, it, it's just, it hasn't been great at shortstop. Like there's been no. a lot of balls hit right at him that he has not made the plays on. And you don't need him to be making spectacular plays. You need him to make the plays of the balls that are hit right at him. Yes. Like Cody Clemens has played a lot more first base and he has really been not good at first base. And and he's been a really solid bench player for them. It's hard. It's mean to single him out, but um you know, Castellanos is Castellanos. Like it's been better in right field, but it's it like, you know, it's never, it's never going to be above average. So, I mean, Stott, I think is like one of their few above average guys. I think second base is where he belongs. And then even like third base, like Edmundo Sosa, when he was playing more there, you know, had some mistakes over there. It's just overall, it's just not great. Yeah. And that has not helped the pitching. So I think team defense is a, is a huge concern here. I think it has contributed to the, amount of runs that they've given up and just sort of these long innings because they're giving up extra bases when they shouldn't be giving them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest problem Schwarber might, you know, be mitigated uh, sometime in July, but I don't think that this is like a thing that goes totally away. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's all, it's all a snowball effect, right? The things you were just mentioning, the extra bases, the extra pitches thrown, all of that coming back to needing to use pitchers for longer in their outings and maybe or longer in terms of pitch count and, eating up short, uh, fewer outs as they go. Like uh, it all has this kind of chain reaction effect to it. And I think the hope, at least my hope was absolutely that the defense would have been a little bit better. And I guess it was it never going to be elite, but, you know, it was never yeah. going to be great, but you thought it was going to be a little better and it hasn't. And then, to, you know, think about Friday night, you know, Zach mm-hmm. Wheeler's start. I mean, that is a totally different game. If the plays behind him are made. Yes. Yes, if the plays behind him are made, you know, that was one where you couldn't fault the offense coming off a cold week and they they couldn't make it couldn't make it hold up. It it almost set a really bad tone for this series and <laughs> things could have gone a, a lot differently this weekend if they had followed that pattern. I'm you know what's funny is yeah, and I'm sorry, I wanted one more point I want to make here is that I, I, I heard this is from a this is from a National League uh evaluator, right? Okay, from a, a, a 
a value from another, an executive from another National League team who we were talking last week, and I was just, he was asking me about Zach Eflin, and he was looking at Eflin, and he had recently seen an Eflin start, and he said the different, the biggest difference in Zach Eflin this year is sure the Rays have helped him, you know, with his with the, sh- the shape of his slider and et cetera, but like they make the plays behind him, they make more plays behind him than the Phillies <laughs> made before, and I'm looking at it right now the yeah. Rays have allowed a 276 BABIP, which is the second lowest in baseball, I mean, which that means is that when the ball is put in play, they make outs. And mm. when Zach Eflin pitches, they make the plays behind him, and that has just helped him immensely. Wow, what a concept. I think one <laughs> thing that, that goes with that, that you, again, we're referencing your, your latest story because it has a lot of really good stuff in it. Um, it's not as if the Phillies are giving up scorching you know, line drives every single yes, time the ball yes. is put in play. You know, yeah. like th- there are plays that should be made. Like there, it was. They're like yeah, they're top five in ag- yeah. average exit velocity and hard hit rate. Like they, yeah, like they haven't been getting crushed every night. It sh- it should be better. Yeah. Um. One thing you called out that parlays into my second round pick. Um. You mentioned Cody Clemens. I'm concerned about the bench. Uh. It's being a little bit overexposed with some of the injuries and and things like that. But really, the guys who have needed to come in for spell days, just don't quite have the magic right now. Uh, Garrett Stubbs hasn't had the year he had last year. He's got eight hits, and I think half of those are bunt hits. Um, <laughs> Cody Clemens, is, he, he has been fine. It is tough to pick on him from an offensive standpoint because, yeah, he's he's really been okay. Josh Harrison, we just talked about him. He he has not been okay, you know, whether it's – I don't know what the cause would be, but he hasn't really been up to snuff, and I'm sure he would rather he would be playing better too. Dalton Guthrie isn't really doing too much of anything anywhere. Um, sometimes he comes in late for defense, sometimes not. And then Jarrell as well, we'll see what happens. But that's just the current crop. You know, you hope so, somebody, so. you know, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm treating him as every day right now. But yeah, he's he could be included in that group. You know, you look, you hope <laughs> you hope the reinforcements can help. But then you consider that the reinforcements are not, you know, by their nature and inherently necessarily starting quality players, right? We're talking about looking ahead to the returns of Christian Pache and Derek Hall and and thinking about players like that. Do you start looking ahead to maybe the kinds of defense that Johan Rojas could offer you later in the summer? I don't know. Nothing really sticks out as having an easy fix right now. I think what could help a general health absolutely would be nice. Getting Alec Bohm back and into a more you know regular role again would be great. Having a bit of that stability to focus away from the pitching market in July and maybe tap into something that's going to be a little underutilized in the hitting department. Again, we we need to figure out who's going to be selling and who might actually be available. There's a lot of time between now and then, and a lot still be to, to be determined. But this team needs help with the reserve guys, the part-time guys, the spell guys they're by and large not getting it done. You need to see a little bit more if you want to actually be able to give some of these guys rest. Harper got a hard day off. He could have been used as as a bench guy. What was that, a week ago now? Um, and you brought, <clears throat> excuse me, you bring Josh Harrison in to pinch it instead and he gets a bloop single. Fine, good outcome, not necessarily great process. You want to have a little bit more trust in the guys that you trot out there when you need to use subs, I'm just looking at this right now. Their their subs are only hitting 235. 
I mean, OPS wise, that's, you know, only a little bit below what their regulars are doing, but you know, with pinch hitting, not being as big of a thing lately for late in games, when you have to swap out a pitcher, it's mitigated, but you do still need to give these guys days off. So you want to have a little more faith than when you give those guys a spell day that the guys who are going to pick up the slack actually pick up the slack. And right now it's not really happening that way. No, and I think that unit is going to undergo change. Uh, the, the current unit, it is. Uh, I mean, I think, depending on how you feel about Christian Pache, like, I do think he's going to factor into things. Uh-huh. Um, you know, whether it be as a guy who moves Marsh off of center, Marsh goes to left. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think maybe if if you if your choice is Pache or Marsh in center, you know, and, and and it's both of them, both of them are playing, and your choice is, you know, one of them in center. I go Pache. Left. Pache is probably in center field. He's, great, he's a great defender. Say what you will about the offense. He's a great defender. Yeah. So, okay, my second pick here in the uh, – we're in the second – no, this is my third pick now. Wait, my wait, wait. Hang pick. on, hang on. We're, we're, going, we're going serpentine. Oh, going yeah, serpentine you're doing now. it. Yeah, okay. Hey, so let's hey, just, hey, so hey. We've done. So we've done <laughs> – you started with the rotation. I went uh-huh. more specifically to Tywin Walker. Uh-huh. Then I went with team defense. You mm-hmm. then pivoted to – The bench the bench mm-hmm. and now here we are in the third round of the concern draft what do you got paul uh this is where i picked trey turner and it's not a long-term concern it's just concerned for this year i um i firmly believe that this guy is still a star caliber player and i think you'd be kind of silly to think otherwise because there's nothing injury wise right now that we know of that could be holding him back what's happened to him has just been weird And when something weird happens and goes against expectations, it's actually, by and large, a little bit easier to expect things to return to normal fairly quickly, especially when you're talking about a multiple-time All-Star, a guy who won the Silver Slugger at his position last year. Like, this will change. The problem now is we're in June, and he's still putting up an OPS under 650. And time is starting to run a little bit short. This is starting to get to the point where you wonder what he's going to give you for the rest of this year or when it's going to kick in. I am still in the camp that firmly believes something will click for him this year. The problem now with each passing day and it's growing is when that's going to happen and will it be too late when it does. There have been other guys who have picked up the slack in the meantime on offense. It's mostly been Castellanos carrying the offense along with Harper since he's come back. Those two guys, I feel like, have been you know the big driving forces. Hopefully, Schwarber keeps playing well in June. He's off to a good start as usual. We'll see. The rest has been fine, okay. Certainly not enough to make up for the lack of starting pitching effect in this. Having Turner get back to his normal self for this year, I, I again, I can't say this enough. A concern for this year does not roll over for me into the rest of his deal. It does not mean... We're looking at a decaying contract already. That that's not what we're, we can't make that proclamation right now. That that's lunacy. That's not where I'm going with this. We just need him this year. We need the Trey Turner we expected this year, and the sooner the better. The patience is starting to wear thin. You can even see that with Rob Thompson finally moving him down in the order. Something has to change. Something has to get a little better. I'm sure he knows this. He's a human being. He's not immune to this. He's undergone a lot of change think he and his wife just had a kid he moved to a new city he's got a new home ballpark he's you know probably feeling the pressure i'm sure of the home crowds there's a lot going on with this guy 
I get it. Harper probably underwent the same similar thing his first year. Castellanos experienced some of that. Schwarber to an extent experienced some of that. It's got to click. Hopefully he gets over the hill sooner than later. Um, but my concern for him this year is that it might just happen a little bit too late. All right, my, my next pick is going to be tangentially related. And that is, and this is a little more nebulous, but it's the general approach, the general style of this team's lineup. Yes, uh, yes. And, and it's just, I guess maybe you can distill it down to like, okay, fine. The team's on base percentage, you know, that okay, maybe yeah. that's like the best way to um, represent this, but mm-hmm. they enter today uh, fifth in slugging in the NL sixth in batting average and 12th in runs. And why is that? It's because they're 10th in on base percentage. Like it's yep. pretty, it's simple as that. And like, you know, you, you referred to, Thompson moving Trey Turner down the line, which I honestly thought was a little overdue. I'm not going to lie. Like, and, and I'm not a big mm. lineup guy. Like I'm not, I, you know, but I do think when you have a player that was very clearly pressing and trying to, you know, make everything right with one swing, like, you know, I don't know. It probably made sense to move him down sooner than he did just to try to relax or just relieve some pressure. But some guys, when you move them down, that adds more pressure because they're like, yeah. Oh, you know, now I got to, you know, uh, he already, you know, he moved me down. Like I got to get back to my spot. So I look at, I mean, I've, I've referenced the stat a million times this year, Paul, but like, it is still mind boggling to me, even with a really good day yesterday, the Phillies have a two seventy seven on base percentage from the top two spots in their lineup. And that's uh, eighth worst in modern baseball still. So I mean, it's unbelievable how bad it is. And it's like, people are trying to explain like why they haven't scored. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I think it just comes solely back to this. Like they are not getting on base at the top of the lineup. And now we'll see with this different approach, like having Schwarber up there, he's the one guy who has taken his walks on a routine basis. Um, There's probably not enough guys, you know, that you feel like can get on base when you absolutely need it right now in this lineup. And you don't want, these guys to change their approaches because what's made them good is their aggressiveness and Turner, Real Muto, Castellanos certainly fit that category. Marsh, yes. I think does too, even though he has walked a bit more this year, he is an aggressive hitter. Um, Bohm, similarly, not a guy who will take his walks more looking to, to do damage earlier in the counts. And I get that. So yep. now you're looking at Schwarber, Stott, Harper, who, you know, can fit any bucket you want to put him in because right. he can be patient when he wants to be, <laughs> yep. he can be aggressive when he wants to yep. be. He's, you know, he's a freak. Yep. Um, that is unbalanced. And it, I, I, I do think it, it, it has been exploited quite a bit. Teams uh, have attacked the Phillies. The, the Phillies know the scouting report, you know, on themselves. I mean, they're, they're seeing a lot of pitches out of the zone and um, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, it, it's going to take better decisions from some aggressive hitters, and I think this is a problem that, that uh, you know, will linger. I do. Uh, that's not to say that they can't be an effective offense, because I do think they will. Uh, but they will be prone to stretches like they've had, of you know, before this national series where uh, they're just, you know, really flailing at a lot of pitches out of the zone. And it's hard to put together rallies uh, because they, they, they can't get on base via the walk. That's that's very valid. I guess for just a little bit of color, as I'm looking at some of these numbers, um, just noticing this, 
Harper's got 124 plate appearances since he's been back. He's got 11 extra base hits, including three home runs, only eight RBIs. And so much of that has to do with that OBP. Right. Well, his numbers with runners in scoring position have been terrible. I mean, just about, it's funny because people have been very, um, very down on Schwarber and, and I understand it. They look at the batting average and they see it, but Schwarber has been one of the guys who's like actually hit with runners in scoring position. I mean, he's got an 865 OPS with runners in scoring position. He's got five of their 10 home runs with runners in scoring position. Phillies only have 10 home runs with runners in scoring position. Yeesh. But right now, uh, Harper is two oh, for wow. 24. Oh, yeah. Uh, with eight walks, but just two for 24 with runners in scoring position. Um, really bad. It's not good. Uh, Bohm, you know, they're missing right now, has been consistently their best hitter with runners in scoring position all season. Uh, but Turner obviously has not been good there. Real Muto has been terrible with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, he just had a good weekend, so you're hoping he gets out of it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it is because it, it's interesting that Harper only has 33 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. I mean, he bats, you know, third most of the time, right, and that should right. be a you know, third, only 33 of his 124 plate appearances have come with runners in scoring position. That, again, speaks to the lack of uh, getting on base at the top. Brutal. All right. Who's your fourth pick for bad things? <laughs> well, I, I feel like, you know, we, we, you know, Aaron Nola has to be on this list. Ah, uh, there um, we go. Okay. And it's probably too low, but... It, it's all of the underlying things, right? It's not even like the big innings or the moments where, you know, the, the lack of shutdown innings, it's all of these underlying things where, um, you know, if you want to use FIP, if you believe in FIP as, as, as more of a reliable indicator as than ERA, his, his FIP is not very good. It's not like he is, it's not like he's, you know, been ra- wildly unlucky or, or um, the peripherals say that he should have a better ERA. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And he's on the mound tonight against the Tigers and the Tigers are not a good hitting team. And he needs to, he needs to have a get right game tonight uh, because the last two just haven't been great. The one in Atlanta, especially I thought was, um, was really bad that that was a game. The Phillies should and could, and really needed to win mm. that first game in Atlanta. And I just thought that he let them down. I, I really did. And he's already given up 12 home runs this year in 74 and two thirds innings. He gave up 19 all of last year. His walk rate has almost doubled that those two things to me stand out. I mean, yeah. and then you look at the quality of stuff and it, it hasn't been there. Um, you know, he's trying to execute a lot of those sinkers and fastballs at the knees and cutters at the knees. And we see them just, they're elevated. Like it, they're just in the middle of the plate. It, it's not good. Like it's not, what you expect from him and whatever the the underlying reason is, whether it's because of the contract year or the pitch clock or the workload from last year, there's a lot of different things you could point to. Um, It hasn't looked great. And, you know, he's 12 starts in the season. He's got a 470 RA. It's the highest ERA he's ever had 12 starts into a season. And um, I think there are plenty of real reasons to be concerned and with that said, like it wouldn't surprise me if he went on a run where he's pitching like Aaron Nola pitches. That's the hope, you know. I, I keep, I keep throwing a lot of weight behind this guy, um, just because I think what he has done in his career has been a little bit undervalued. And also, I 
I, I, I still think that what he can offer this team this year and moving forward is very valuable, but it really doesn't help when he starts a season like this. And it even throws a little bit of confusion into what I think I really want for him moving forward, uh, especially in this this contract year. Boy, he's he's not really making this just a, a case of money. There's there's some real thought that probably has to go into what's going on here. Uh, and for my all right, so for my last pick, I could go one of two ways here. I think I have I have two candidates. One is a short term concern, one is a longer term concern. And I think I'm gonna go with picking the shorter term concern here, just to keep it focused on 2023. The longer term concern just to mention it, is about what the core of this team looks like after this year. I don't think it's a tenable situation to keep running uh, a, a mainstay group of Harper because who knows what position he's going to play. Maybe it's first base full-time moving forward. Maybe I, Who knows? With <clears throat> Schwarber looking uh, not as adept at Very playing the field. Yeah. Uh, Castellanos, he's staving off some defensive decline right now, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And where, how does the rest of the roster fit around that? Is is that really, is that really what we want to build around again? Does can Reese Hoskins fit into that? Probably not. Like it, it's something would need to change there if he was to come back. There's a lot of it that I'm not picking it. I'm not going to go deep into it. My my actual <laughs> pick, my my actual pick, the thing that I want to talk about um, is the trade deadline. I am I am curious, maybe more than concerned. But I am I am starting to think more and more about what late July and the first day of August is going to look like for this team, because if they don't get out of this rut, if they don't have it kick in, you know, that they should be playing better, that they are a better group of baseball players than one that's 27 and 32 in 59 games. Uh, well, then what? Then what do you do? First of all, you actually have to finish the year. You have to have enough healthy bodies to finish the year. So if you think about you know, if you're far enough out of it that you want to consider trading Aaron Nola, well, we're already in a spot where we're not trusting the guys in the system to, you know, be starting pitchers. And if you're counting on bullpen games for 40% of your rotation turns, uh, a lot of guys are going to get hurt and that could have long-term impacts on their careers. So, you know, let's just think about that for a second. Beyond that, what could this team buy? What could they really be realistic buyers of? You know, you you call out in your story that there are two, probably four front concerns. One being starting pitching, of course, which we've talked about, but a lot of teams are going to be in on starting pitchers, which should drive up the prices. And the Phillies do not have a huge farm system to draw from. More than that, there's the existential question of, is this a team that you should go all in on and really yeah. cash in chips? That's hmm. what I said. I thought your concern is going to be Dave Dombrowski's approach. I, I do not know what he's going to do. I can understand there being a line of thought that goes, well, look at this talent. Yes, it's underperformed, but look at it. This is a talented group of players. They just have to play better. And, and we're, hopefully... hey, we're three games out of the yeah, wild card. Like, we're right yeah. there, you know? Right. right. So then what do you do? Like, this, this is why they pay these guys the big bucks, because they have to make these decisions. But then, like, what do you do, right? And who do you draw from in your prospect pool? Do you start thinking about, you know, trading some, uh, you know, maybe a guy like a Gene Cabrera, who is a deeper system, you know, well, yeah. maybe potential gem kind of guy. Cash in some of your better prospects. Yeah, right. But I, I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, look at what Ben Brown is turning into for the Cubs when you traded for David Robertson. A little bit of a different situation, but similar things. 
do you let somebody, you know, pry through your complex guys to really take advantage of a situation here? Do you feel the pinch? Do you feel the pressure? Um, I would hope that they don't really dip into some of the top guys. Obviously, they're not trading Painter because health concerns on top of valuing him the way they do. Um, but, you know, what do you think about the way Abel and McGarry have performed with their higher walk rates? How much value do they still hold? There's a lot that really needs to go into thinking not just about what direction this team could go in between now and the end of July, because it's still very much up in the air, thanks to this team being not great and the NL being not great, but also because what do you, what do you pull from? Do you think about trading how you Lee if something presents itself? Like he might not be a star necessarily, but he is one of your better hitting prospects. You know, it, there, there's a lot on my mind and thinking about what the deadline is going to look like. And I just, I do not see one thing emerging as more likely than another as we sit here right now. I maybe the homework assignment is going to be this. And, and I don't know the answer again. You reference this. It's like, you don't know what teams are going to be selling and which, you know, it's just so far away and there's so much parity right now. I mean, and even the teams that we think are going to be selling right now, there's just not a lot to pick from. But mm-hmm. is there a right-handed hitting, you know, uh, OBP kind of type corner outfielder that will be available for them to trade at the deadline? Hmm. A rental type guy that you plug Ooh, into left field and, you know, gives you a little more balance in your lineup. And that's how, that's your path. Like, you know, because we know everyone's going to be going for pitching. Like, yes, very clearly the pitching that, uh, it will be available at the deadline that the, the, the demand will far out outweigh supply. And I actually was told to go back and look at the pitchers that were traded last deadline. If you think about this, Paul, it was like Frankie Montas, Tyler Maley, Jose Quintana, Noah Syndergaard. Everybody's uh, hurt. Everybody's hurt. <laughs> Every single oh, one of man. them is hurt or terrible in Syndergaard's case. But yeah, they're all hurt. They're all hurt. All those starting pitchers that were traded last deadline. Um, and they, they just didn't pan out. Jordan Montgomery is one that has sort of panned out, right? Yes. Um, kind of is what he is, like mid-rotation guy. He's solid. Um, that's about it, though. I mean, and that, that's the kind of type of guy that you expect to be moved. You know, I know the White Sox, everyone's kind of watching to see what they do. You know, possibly Giolito and Cease, but, like, I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, the price is going to be pretty high, and somebody other than the Phillies is probably going to pay that. So, yeah. Uh, if you can get out of that starting pitching market and find a different avenue to upgrade your team, I think like a right-handed hitting patient corner outfielder fits. I just don't know who that guy is because I don't know if he exists. Uh, it's really hard. You know, <laughs> you know the, the funny thing that I was looking up in the background as we started talking about that, Chris Bryant. Um, not that it would happen. It <laughs> would not happen. But, <laughs> Sorry. but, but no, yeah. But I just, I pulled up his page. He's back on the IL. <laughs> Um, he, he is not slugging. I mean, he's a right-handed hitter. It's one of the greatest golden parachutes ever. I, you know, he's, he's slugging 398 at home. Oh my God. That's tough, man. Like he, he's not striking out a ton, but like the, the power is just gone. He's not, he's not slugging. Anyway, that's a fun little diversion. I I don't know what that looks like, right? You, You know, you were just saying there are a couple of obvious sellers right now, the Royals, the A's, the Rockies. Uh, probably the nationals, you know, they're, they're probably going to look to part with some guys that those are, those are not very good teams. I don't think they have aspirations of contending right now. Here's Who on those here's, teams here's jumps out? Name. Hey, like, wait, hold on. Here's a name for you. Okay. Here's a name for you. Okay. What about Jonathan India from the reds? I, I I'd love Jonathan India. Um, that's, I hadn't thought that cost about him. At Gable? 
oh, that costs you something good. Yeah. All right, so Jonathan India, in case you're unfamiliar with the 2021 Rookie of the Year, uh, had a bit of a down sophomore year and has been a little hurt over the last couple of years. He's been mostly healthy so far this year, which has been nice. Uh, on the year, he's got a 108 OPS plus, 785. He's a second baseman by trade. Good stolen base numbers. Doesn't strike out a ton. Good gap guy. Probably I, about to switch positions. Yeah, yeah. He's not an awesome second baseman. I, I love the guy's game. Uh, you you say you dangle that name in front of me. I'm all about him. I, I think that's really cool, really creative. That's just one uh, that, that jumps out at me. Yeah. It probably the Reds, costs the you Reds are bringing up a bunch of prospects and there are questions about where does India fit in all of this? And Namely, Ellie um, De La Cruz, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they've had breakouts from Spencer Steer and Matt McLean looks like a, a, a big league shortstop. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's just one that jumps out. I mean, I, I, it probably costs you too much, but I mean, and then again, like, you know, he's got, he's got control. Like yep. He's a guy that you can, you can trade for and have, but he probably costs you. Yeah. One of your, at least Mick Abel, I'd say, right. Uh, yeah, he would cost you something good. I mean, he's 26. This is his third year. So he'll have all three arbitration years after this one um you know that comes with a price tag regardless of regardless of the quality of player really when you think about it there's such a high value on the length of time that you can have a guy in your service basically um that you add on a quality hitter on top of it again he's not he's not world beating he's not going to turn into you know ryan sandberg most likely but he's a good player and uh, he that's a name that excites me. I, I think that's that's interesting and creative. And they're probably going to need to think along those lines, even if they don't pull something off. Um, maybe need to look to take advantage of somebody who has pressing depth concerns. It, it needs investigation is really what it comes down to. The people who get paid to do that, they will do that. I'm sure they'll come up with a plan. Um, but it's probably going to take something creative like that, maybe plumbing the depths of names that you don't necessarily think of immediately aren't necessarily rentals um something that could just help this team out a little bit ideally from the right side yes maybe switch i, I don't know um to just balance the lineup a little bit more and india can draw a walk right like he's not a super patient yeah. guy but he can, he can draw a walk yeah uh, and the other guy who will stick out is like ian hat you know depending on what the cubs do switch hitter mm -hmm. he's better from he's better from the left side than he is from the right side but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's tough right now because you just don't know who's going to be willing to move guys, who's going to be available. Hap, you know, for it would be really a rental. I think he is a free agent after this season, right? No, they recently extended him. Oh, he got an extension? Yeah, oh, he got a three-year extension. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they would still move him. That's yeah, the maybe they might still. Yeah, right. You can't rule it out. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Sorry. No, that happened, that happened over the offseason, I think, or maybe after the deadline either way i was surprised that he wasn't traded last year and i think even a little more surprised that he was then extended um i don't know but i don't know what that some means. of these teams i mean you look at yeah i mean you're not <laughs> you're not finding upgrades on oakland's roster or detroit's roster or kansas city's roster or washington's roster i mean it's not great. I mean, Seattle, yeah. I don't know, Eugenio Suarez, you move him to left field. I don't know. That's, oh, dear. No. Oh, dear. <laughs> that, oh boy. The Mariners are playing their way out of it, too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's going to look very different in a month when we get an idea of who's going to be buying and selling. But yeah, 
I, I think I think your concern is warranted. It's like what, you know, if they're sort of on the precipice, like let's say they're, you know, a game over 500 or two games over 500 and they're, you know, two back of the wild card or maybe they're in the six, maybe they're in the seventh, the sixth spot, the sixth seed. Uh-huh. You know, how far does Dave Dombrowski go? You know, like how far does he go? Does he cash in McCabe or Griff McGarry or how you leave? Is it maybe it's good to cash those guys in right now? Maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're not the the caliber prospect that we that we think they are. I don't know. Um, I, I do think it's gonna be really interesting to see what kind of approach he takes, and it'll all obviously depend on you know this where they're at. So, well, we've got our eyes on that for sure. I, I don't expect there would be much movement in the next couple of weeks from anybody, really, even from the seller. I mean, no. one of the obvious sellers no. might part with somebody but i think there's going to be i think there's going to be a lot of waiting because the prices are going to go up for buyers especially national league buyers with how close everybody is i would i would expect that anyway i think there's going to be a lot of a waiting game on into july late july um but we'll have to see how things shake out between now and then Uh, there's a lot to be decided and whether this team this phillies team could even consider themselves a buyer at that point i don't know uh, there's a lot invested in this team. Playoffs are the goal. Championship is the goal. And right now they're not playing like it. So does that need to be fixed with an infusion from the outside? Ah, we'll see. Either way, thanks for hanging with us on our four round eight pick concern draft. Again, just to recap that for you uh, in case your eyes glazed over as we went over all of the bad stuff, the picks in order serpentine between myself and Matt. I picked the rotation. Matt picked Taiwan Walker. Matt then went with the defense. I went with the bench and then Trey Turner. Matt talked about the overall approach of the lineup and free swinging and the balance. Then to Aaron Nola, and I went with the trade deadline. So there we go. That's just, you know, eight things to keep in mind. (laughs) Other than that, things are going great. Uh, I think I found the guy. (laughs) Of the deadline guy? Who is it? Randall Gritchick. Uh, You know what? I thought about that. That's interesting. He's only got one home run on the year, but that's the kind of profile I think that we're talking about broadly. I think that makes some sense. His, his defense has definitely slipped a little bit, but I think if you yeah you stick him in left field, you feel better about that. Yeah, just to, just just names to think about. Yeah, it's much right. easier I, to think about these names than like who are you going to get as you know as a rotation upgrade. Oh yeah, for because sure. I, I outside of Cease and Giolito, and I'm, I'm not convinced the White Sox move those guys like. It's it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, somebody would have really to be not good. very Drew persuasive. Smiley. Oh man, you gonna go down that road again? <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? I can't rule it out. I Just really can't recreate recreate the uh, recreate that trade deadline. Who else was it? Was Vargas? No. Was uh, was Jason Vargas? Jason Vargas. Just don't. I don't. Vargy. Vargy, get out of here. <laughs> We need to end this episode. Thanks so much, everybody. (laughs) Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, This has been Phillies Therapy, as always. For The Athletics, Matt Gelb. I am Paul Boyer. Phillies are back at it against the Tigers this week. Hopefully they keep it rolling. We'll see you next week. 